Well, hey, church, let me get a good look at you out there. It's good to see you guys. I haven't taught in a couple weeks, so I'm really looking forward to this time together. As you guys know, we're in the middle of a series, Christmas Songs, and we've been talking about how Jesus is our song of faith, how Jesus is our song of praise, and today we're going to be talking about how he is our song of hope. Uh, and as we get into uh, this morning, uh, I just want to thank you guys for, for coming and being together. It's good for us to be together. It's good for us to spend this time turning our hearts and our minds uh, toward Christ and listening to what he has to say for us. So as we dive a little deeper into the Christmas season, I actually have an Easter story for you guys. So last Easter, uh, I decided to finally start our backyard farm. Uh, we've been into gardening for a while, and uh, we've been eyeing getting some chickens, and uh, we're going to order some chickens, and then I was at Tractor Supply, and they had some chickens. As you guys know, around Easter time, there's chickens all over our city, and I decided it was, I was going for it. So we, we dove in, and we got our baby chicks, and we started raising our chickens. So we've been raising chickens for a while now, and a couple weeks ago, we decided we were going to try to have our first babies. We put Rue, that's one of our roosters, and Siete, she's Siete because she only has seven toes. Before she got to us, I don't know what happened, but she lost a toe, so it was pretty easy naming her. So Rue and Siete are, are kind of the, the king of our pen, and they're, in, they're the, the bosses around the rest of the hens and the roosters, and uh, they're kind of troublemakers. So we had penned them up, and they were off on their own, and it was kind of like a COVID lockdown. You know what happened. So they... They laid some eggs, and uh, we put those eggs in an incubator, and uh, I've been learning about this process, and I bought what's called a candler, and I, uh, it's just a, a light, really bright light to see what was going on inside of the eggs. And so just two days ago, I lifted this light up into the egg, and sure enough, we've got a couple eggs at home where we can see these baby chicks moving around inside there, and we're really excited for uh, two, three days from now when, when they're going to make their little entrance into the Roly home. Uh, so we got some baby chicks on the way. And uh, when we first put those eggs in the incubator, of course, our hope was that a couple of them uh, would hatch, right? And, and so my question for us this morning as we talk about how Jesus is our song of hope is, is such a simple and straightforward one. Is there anything that you're hoping for this Christmas season? Is there anything that you're moving towards in your life Anything in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your family, in your work that right now is a hope that you have. And as you think on that, on that hope that you have, we're going to be looking at the announcement of the birth of Christ today. And uh, when, when a couple gets together, uh, many of us are hoping one day for children. And so this is a great celebratory moment and as you guys know, the birth of our Savior is a story with such a twist, though. It's not your typical birth announcement. And my hope is, is that we study the announcement of the birth of Christ, that we will see a little bit more who God is and how he works, and that it will illuminate our own stories for us and the things that we're hoping for in this season. So that's, that's my hope for today. And I would like to ask if one more time we could bow our heads together and pray that God would speak to us through his word. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for giving us your word as a guide. And I thank you so much that as we've come together as a people seeking you, that we are never without illumination, that we are never without light, that we are never without guidance because you have spoken to us through 
your word. And your son, Jesus, radiates through these words. And so God, as we read them today, I pray that I will be able to step out of the way and that we would each step out of the way and that you would give us insight to see how you are working in the story of our lives individually and as a church. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen and amen. Well, please turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to read to verse 38. I'm going to have these verses on the slides behind me as well, so you can follow along at home. You can follow along up here on the screen, but I'd highly encourage you, if you have a Bible or grab a pew Bible there, uh, so you can study a little more closely as we go back through this verse by verse. But we're going to read the whole thing once together. The birth of Jesus foretold, uh, chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And catch this, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of God to us, church. So let me go back and, and I'm just going to share uh, this story verbally. And I want to pull out and highlight some of the things that are being said in, in this story as we look at the announcement of the birth of Christ. Uh, I was tempted to kind of skip ahead a couple verses, but it caught my attention, church, right in verse 26, right in the very first verse, it caught my attention how this angel Gabriel was sent. The text tells us, the story tells us that God sent Gabriel to Mary. And I started thinking about my life and my story with Christ. And, and, and I think we can all think about our journey with God. And in going back through the entire Bible and looking at the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the entire story of the people of God. And this entire story is a story of people being sent to bring good news, of people being sent to share hope. God sent in the Old Testament the prophets 
And then those prophets foreshadowed the coming of Christ. And even in my story, he sent people today, modern people today to me to tell me about Jesus Christ. Like I've shared in the past, going all the way back to when I was just a little one, not here in the big church, but over in the little church. And I remember being four years old and someone like you just sharing the gospel with me. And even at that age saying, Yes, that makes sense. That's what I want. I want, I need salvation. At four, I knew sin. I knew, I had done, I, I took a crayon. I, one of the sins that stood out to me, we were visiting some friends and I was over at a friend's house and uh, my buddy had a crayon and I went in their walls and I decided to do some artwork, Picasso. And I just did my artwork all over the place. And my parents were so proud of me that day as we were at my buddy's house. No, they weren't. But uh, I was taught that that was wrong and I should not do that. And I, I knew what it was like to sin. And I said, yes, I, I, I've hurt people. Even before I knew that I had disappointed people and Jesus had made a way for me to be right. I wanted a relationship with this man. And so it caught my attention at the beginning of this story that hope is sent. It's sent to us. Jesus was sent to us to share love. And what's interesting about the announcement of the greatest person ever born in the history of mankind is that he was born to ordinary people in a common place. He was born to a teenage girl and a regular guy. And, and, and then the city they were in, Bethlehem, okay, to give you contextualization for it, they weren't born in Dallas. They weren't born in Houston. They weren't born in San Antonio. Jesus wasn't even born in Laredo. He was born in Eagle Pass. <laughs> Bethlehem today has less than 30,000 people. It's about the size of Eagle Pass, okay? He was born, and I, uh, uh, no offense to you if you're from Eagle Pass, all you Eagle Pass people out there, right? But he came into a very common, small place. He, he wasn't born in a palace or a kingdom. We knew that he was born in a manger. He was born in a place that was unexpecting of the king to come to a simple high school teenage girl, right? She was probably 17 or we don't, we don't know what age was. We know she was very young in a very common, small place. And it says, as the story continues on in verse 28, the angel says to her, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. This word favored is only used in one other verse in the Bible in Ephesians 1, 6. And it has this idea of grace, of God's grace, of unmerited favor. Mary somehow had found unmerited favor in the eyes of God and her assignment in life. The greatest thing she would do was to bring God himself into flesh. She was, her child was to be God himself. Oh, favor one, the Lord is with you. Mary found favor with God. And the fact that God was with her meant that his presence was going to go with her to help her in this assignment that she was going to fulfill. And in verse 29, as she begins to hear all this, she's troubled. Now, Pretty wild that an angel would appear to her and share all these things with her. And you can imagine how startling it might be. Have you ever felt something in your heart that you were to do that was good? Something in your heart that you were to do was right, 
Something that you were to own up to, to, to confess, to boldly pursue. Something that God put in your heart to do. And have we ever not been like Mary and been troubled thinking, God, you, you want me to do this? You want me to share this good news with this person, but I can't speak, Lord. Or you want me to do this or this or that? This burden or responsibility or news or something that God's put on our heart to do? And yet God promised that he was with her. And the angel says to her in verse 30, he said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And I want us this morning to put our name into this story. Do not be afraid and fill in your name. Zach. John, Rogelio, Sandra, for I am with you, for God is with you. You have found favor with God. The same God who is with Mary is with us today. And it, that angel said to her in verse 31 that she would bear a son. And she thought, well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. It was an impossible thing. There's no way that God can do this. Have we ever not felt the same in our own lives? Has there ever been things that God has asked you to do that felt so scary, that took so much courage? From small things of courage to huge things of courage. And yet God is a God who can do impossible things that there's no way that it will not come about because God was with her. And that baby was to be named Jesus. And Jesus was a common name. It was a very common name that came from the name Joshua. Literally, it meant Yahweh saves. And this announcement of his birth was similar to what his people had been waiting for for centuries. Isaiah 7:14 says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you people a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel." You see from the beginning of time, from the beginning when sin entered this world, God has woven into his people's hearts as he has woven into your hearts a desire for something that is missing in this world. And he had promised his people that a Messiah would come, a king that would reign forever, that would remove the stains of sin, where there would be no more injustice and there would be no more invasions, there would be no more death. This Messiah would come and we have the same longing in our relationships in, in no other area greater than our life than in the relationships in our life and the people that we work with and the people in our family and the people in our city that there would be, like we love to sing about in Christmas, peace on earth. But apart from God and his story, it's impossible because the only one that can bring that peace is Jesus Christ, the one who saves. And the angel said to her in verses 32 and 33, five great things about the Messiah. First of all, that he will be great. Second of all, that he will be the son of the most high. Most high at the time was an expression by which the Greeks referred to their gods. And so when he said that the son of the most high, culturally everyone knew that meant 
a son of God, that she was going to bear the son of God who would sit on the throne of David. And remember, enter into their story for a little bit. David was a great king who was followed by a greater king that saw not necessarily a greater king and being a greater man, but the kingdom of God saw its full splendor in the tribe of Israel under Solomon, his son. And the people knew this. They had lived this story where they had lived in blessings here on earth, but because of their rejection of God, their kingdom had fallen and they were suffering and they were oppressed by other people and they were waiting for a king to come back so they could experience what their great grandparents had experienced before. And they knew that King David's kingdom had fallen. And the promise was that he would be on the throne of David. And he, the fourth thing, he would reign forever over the house of Jacob, over Israel. That his reign would never come to an end. It was a kingdom that would never end. This was who was to be born. You know that uh, the Jewish people believed that a son was a carbon copy of the father. And as I, was, as I was thinking about that this week and I was studying it, of course, I thought about my own boys. And my youngest son, Silas, is, is too little to really know what he's going to be like yet. His personality's just coming out. He's beginning to try to talk. And, and he, started, he just started saying hi. He'll like wave his hand up and, and go like this. And we all chuckle and laugh and, and wave hi back to him. But my son, JB, who's over two and a half now, uh, I can totally see his personality. And it's crazy how I see myself in him, and he's constantly watching his mother and me. He's constantly watching us, and he mimics us. We talk to Alexa a lot in our house. Uh, we're Alexa users. You guys might be Siri users. And uh, just this week, I was walking by, and, and my wife will use Alexa timers all the time for when she's cooking. And, uh, and we weren't around the room, and he was playing with his toys, and I kind of heard him say, Alexa, stop. And we, I just kind of chuckle because he's so used to us telling Alexa to stop the timer uh, because he picks up everything that we do. Or right now he's potty training and uh, praise God it's going very, very well. Um, but it's so funny and I won't get into the details, right? But he's learning to pee like a man and, and, uh, and he learned from his poppy, right? And so he talks about this whole process and I die laughing as he explains it to me. And we'll just keep that as a, as a rolly thing at home, all the details. But it's hilarious to watch how he's learning to, to, to pee like me or <laughs> kind of weird thing to talk about in church, but it's true guys. So every little detail, my boys are watching. They're watching us and your kids and your grandkids, they watch you and they pick up all these tiny little things. Uh, I, I like to like uh, organize things in, cert in a certain way. And my son is the exact same way. And he takes his toys and he lines them up and he organizes them. And he's this little miniature version of me. Yesterday I was on my computer and uh, working away on my computer and, and we have an old computer that doesn't work anymore. Shh, don't tell him. And, uh, and we went and got it and he sits ne next to me and he's ordering uh, green beans on his computer while I was working on mine. And the son, the Messiah is a way better carbon copy of a way better father. I talk about my boys because don't I hope for my boys to grow to be great men, a better man than me, and I, and I try to be a good example. But think about Jesus and his heavenly father. He was the exact carbon copy of Yahweh. And what did he bring to earth when he was born? He brought perfect character. I'm going to pass off some, some bad qualities uh, to my boys. Hopefully I aim straight, right? Uh, but I'm going to pass off some bad qualities to my boys. 
But Yahweh is perfect. He's full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And why do we lose heart? Why do we lose hope? Why do we lose faith? Is it not because of the sins of man? Do we not get disappointed in each other, in mankind, in what we see that's broken? And yet there is one who represents perfect love, perfect joy. And it's our Father. And Jesus came into the world as that carbon coffee. And as she replied to him in these last verses, 34 and 35, she said, well, how I am a virgin. And it wasn't a sign of weak faith, but of confusion. How can this be? How would this come about that, this, that God himself was going to come into the flesh? And it was by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Most High God that was going to overshadow her. This overshadowing was similar to how God's presence overshadowed the temple in the Exodus as the people left slavery and followed God on this pathway. And that same overshadowing overshadowed her. And God gave her a sign in verse 36. He said, hey, Elizabeth is also with child. This barren woman in her old age is with child. And he says to her, for nothing will be impossible with God because God can do the impossible. And Mary's response was, behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And keep in mind, church, as much as we hold Mary in high esteem today, she was bringing on shame. When she said, let me do this, let me follow you, Lord. How did people view her? She was an unwed woman giving birth to a child. So people thought she was having this child out of wedlock. You think people are gonna, oh, no, 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 this baby's from the Holy Spirit. How many people are gonna go for that one, right? And so she lived a life in confusion where people probably judged her or labeled her. And she said, no, God, I'll, I'll do it. I will be your servant. So church, I wanna ask us this morning, what impossible thing has God put on your heart? What is your heart hoping for? What salvation do you want to come to a family member? What relationship do you want to see restored? You don't see the fullness of Christ in that you want to see changed. What aspect of God's character do you want more of around you in this world? What is it that you are longing for today? And do you believe like Mary, that God can do it, that it is in him to do it no matter how hard. I don't have a lot of time to go through these, but I wanna share a few things that we can do, unlike Mary, that kill that hope. And if any of these things apply to you as they do to me, think about them for a second this morning. You know, instead of saying, I am your servant, Lord, sometimes we have pride. The verse that struck me this whole week as I was studying this passage is, is in Isaiah 6, 5, when God appeared to Isaiah and said he was gonna send him as a prophet. He said, woe to me, God. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty, and you have touched my mouth. 
and see that, that this has touched my lips and my guilt has been taken away and my sin is atoned for. We can have pride, church, but God wants to take it away. That it's not by us that anything good happens, but it's simply by his goodness touching us and bringing love into our life. He washes away our sin. He washes away our shortcoming, things we could never do that only he can do. What else can we do that kills hope? We can kill hope by pointing the finger at someone else as to why things are not, by gossiping rather than having an open hand and saying, certainly this world is broken. Come, Jesus, move. We can kill hope by procrastinating and not saying, yes, Lord. We can kill hope by seeking perfectionism, again, to do things by our own strength, by overworking. We can kill hope by seeking to please people. We can kill hope by fear. We can kill hope by isolating from others or by being impatient or wandering from God. Or we can kill hope by depending on things other than Him, depending on alcohol or drugs or anything else, relationships that we shouldn't be depending upon or, or food or something to just kind of know the pain of these unfulfilled longings that God has placed in our heart. Church, I know that God has placed good things in our heart this Christmas season, and yet we live in a broken world. And this passage about the hope of Jesus Christ is for every single one of us this morning to not kill hope, but to say yes to hope. And so as we close our time today, I again wanna ask, what are you hoping for this Christmas season? What gift do you most want to unwrap? And is your heart an open door to that hope or is it closed? And I wanna ask that we would open our hearts to hope because God can do the impossible. He can change our perspective in all of the mess that we live in. And we change our perspective, it changes our world because our mindset is aligned with how He sees our circumstances, not how we do. And so as we worship now, I want us to worship by visualizing the things that we want to see God do in this church, in our family, in this next year. And as you visualize those things, as you sing, as you pray, and you think about them, as your eyes are closed, or as you sing to God, turn your attention not on your circumstances, but let's turn our attention this morning on Jesus in Christ alone, the only one that brings hope to this world. Would you pray with me, church? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are God sent down to us the perfect Christmas gift. And we pray as a church, Lord, that we would be a people full of hope this Christmas season. As our hearts are turned towards togetherness and family and giving gifts and opening gifts and looking forward to a new year that you've given us. God, would our mind be turned to you? Would we not doubt the things that you have said that you can do, but would we fully believe in all that you can do, full of hope? And everyone at Grace said, amen and amen. Thank you, church.